terror in Israel. Several killed and wounded, a lone gunman aiming at worshippers leaving their synagogues. It was the beginning of their Sabbath in Jerusalem. A day before, nine Palestinians were killed in Israeli raids on the West Bank. It's been 78 years since Auschwitz was liberated, yet anti-Semitism abounds. The situation in Israel is complicated. But as a Christian, I pray that both Arab and Jew would come to know Jesus as their true Messiah. The Apostle Paul, himself a Jew, called to take the gospel of Christ to the Gentiles, saying it was the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Corey Ten Boom knew this as her family rescued Jews during World War II. They ended up in a Nazi camp, but she proclaimed the power of the gospel by saying, God will give us the love to be able to forgive our enemies. Welcome to Haven Today. Here it is Monday. I'm Charles Morris, sharing together with you the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're starting a new series together called Return to the Hiding Place. The killings at that synagogue in Jerusalem, tragic especially when you realize it happened on International Holocaust Remembrance Day. We are living in dark days, and we need to hear stories of light. So all week, we want to remember the late Corrie Ten Boom. You might recall her book or the movie called The Hiding Place. Her family, Dutch Christians, helping hide Jews as they were being rounded up in their country by the Nazis in World War II. In a few moments, we're going to learn more about Corey from her former assistant, Pamela Roswell Moore. And later, we'll hear a recording from Corey herself. I'd always known about Jesus. And now, in solitary confinement, I had started to really know that his light is stronger than the deepest darkness. More from Corey Ten Boom and her assistant in a few minutes. And then after the program, I want to send you a DVD with two movies based on Corey's life called The Hiding Place and Return to the Hiding Place. The original film was produced by Billy Graham's Worldwide Pictures back in 1975. It received rave reviews and it still stands out as one of the finest Christian movies ever made. And then about 10 years ago, a sequel was made following the story of the Teenage Army, as Corey affectionately called them. This film gives new insight to the challenges Christians faced as they resisted the Nazis and trusted that God was still in control no matter what was happening. Why don't you call us after the program? Would you make a gift to this ministry? But would you ask for the double feature DVD, The Hiding Place, and Return to the Hiding Place for your gift to the ministry? Our phone number you can call is 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to haventoday.org, watch some clips from the movies, clips from Corey Ten Boom herself, and then you can make your gift, haventoday.org. And don't forget, if you wanted to but still haven't gotten a copy of Five Things to Pray for Your Kids, we still have that book for your gift to the ministry. Now let's open with a song Corey Ten Boom would have sung if it was written when she was alive. Because even though she saw the worst of times, she knew one thing. The Lord is always good. Andrew Peterson, 
opening our program today. Do you remember how Mary was grieving? How you wept and she fell at your feet? If it's true that you know what I'm feeling Could it be that you're weeping with me? Arise, O Lord, and save me There's nowhere else to go You're always good Always good Somehow this sorrow is shaping my heart like it should song is always good. Andrew Peterson joining us here on the program. Haven Today, Return to the Hiding Place, powerful lyrics from his resurrection letters in the prologue opening this Haven Today. Now, I know perhaps you have read or seen or heard Corey Ten Boom's story through the best-selling book in the movie called The Hiding Place, But I also realize there are many who have not heard about this woman's extraordinary testimony. A few years ago, we spent some time with a woman who spent a lot of time with Corey as her assistant, Pamela Rosewell Moore. And I'd like you to hear that conversation again. Pam, living now outside Dallas, Texas, I want to welcome you to Haven Today. Thank you very much, Charles. I'm glad to be with you today. 
Pam, you spent a lot of time with Corey during her last years here on Earth. Some of our listeners might not even know her amazing story. Can you take us back to the beginning? Who was Corey Ten Boom? Who was her family? Why did they risk their lives to rescue Jews from the Nazis? Corey was Dutch and born in 1892. She was the youngest of four children, one brother and two sisters, Betsy Willem, and then Nolly, and then Corrie, whose full name would be Cornelia Tenboom. Um, Tenboom family was a very close one, and the Bible, the Word of God, was central to the life of the family. Really, they just talked about the Lord Jesus. They obviously knew him. So Betsy and Corrie still lived in what they called the Beye, and the Beye was to become a refuge for many Jewish people who were being sought after by the Nazis. Mainly, they helped people to safety through contacts where they could get to farmland in the north of the country. In 1942, the persecution of the Jewish people, which hadn't been too bad at first, it began, and the Tembohms family, father, Corrie and Betsy, had a hiding place built in the very top of their very small house. The first floor was a watch shop because that was Father Tenbaum's profession. And then the second place had a large room, large room with a couple of bedrooms, very small ones. And right at the top of the house was Corrie's bedroom. And that was where the hiding place was so that if Jewish people had to hide, it would be the farthest away from the door as possible, the, you know, the front door. And Pam, once the Nazis invaded, they began to gather the Jews and ship them to concentration camps, and that created a huge dilemma for many of the Dutch who were Christians. Should they help the Jews or should they not? Well, let's listen to a clip from the movie The Hiding Place. I, I, I have my own family to think of. We could lose everything for that child. Where would my church be without a shepherd? But No, Betsy. The pastor has decided... It is the law, and Christians must obey the law. Think what you are risking for the sake of one Jewish baby. And will you report us, Pastor, if the baby must stay alive with us? Corey, we are meant to obey the law of this state if it does not go against a higher law of God. And we will keep the child. It is on your heads. A little bit from the movie The Hiding Place, a film based on Corey Ten Boom and her family's life during World War II. And you're listening to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris. We're talking to the assistant of the late Corey Ten Boom, Pam Rosewell Moore. And Pam, obviously the Christian pastor in this clip was concerned about his life and his family's life if they helped the Jews. The Nazis created a lot of fear, which caused many people not to help. Could you just think back with me now and tell me what was different about the Tin Boom family? Why did they help the Jews, knowing that the risk was so great? The family had always been interested in, in the Jewish people. Willem Ten Boom, who was a minister, he was the only professionally educated member of the family. He was the only boy, and he had particular interest in the Jewish people and he had been saying since quite early in the 1930s that the Jews were going to be persecuted 
Mm. And then they saw that build-up happen. They'd always prayed for the Jewish people. They'd always prayed for the peace of Jerusalem. They often used the word shalom. Um, mm. They were thoroughly Dutch, but there was this part of their life, an important part of their being, which loved the Jewish people. Mm. So when the war came, Corrie wanted to do whatever could be done. She was always the ringleader in the family. I'm sure <laughs> Betsy was. it wasn't hard to persuade Betsy that it was the right thing. And Father mm. Tenbaum agreed. So eventually this little hiding place was built. Pam, let's go on with the story here. The Ten Booms had hidden many Jewish people that were passing through kind of an underground railroad. What happened then? It was very unofficial, mm. and it consisted really of, of many contacts, many other people. Corrie, Corrie, an outgoing leader, trusted leader for so many years, had many contacts, and she had what she called her boys. They were young men who um, would dress up as women if they could and go on their bikes, uh, and they would be her message messengers and go round and it's so hard to believe in our day when we can get in touch with each other in seconds, really. But mm, they, they didn't. Yes. They had to go around on bikes and make sure they weren't caught. How long were they able to hide Jewish people in the house, in the hiding place? The hiding place was built in 1942, mm. but it wasn't until later in the war, I think the end of 1943, that they started using it that they, they had more and more Jewish people coming to the front door. So they took in as many as they could. It was, as I say, a very small house. But they had such fun. Apart from the tragedy of, of it all, there's a Dutch word, word it's gezellig, and it's not translatable. Mm. It means cosy, but in English, to have the word gezellig, you'd have to say, you, you could be cosy, you, know, you and I, we could be cosy at Christmas if mm -hmm. we were sitting by a fire. Mm -hmm. and with music in the background. But in, in that word gezellig used all through the, the whole of the Netherlands in, all, in many generations as I know, it has to involve people. So what, what happened was gezelligheid, this, this coziness. They would have their Jewish visitors at the table. Betsy would, would serve soup and made with whatever she could find in the stores. And they were, apparently she was very good at soup. People loved Betsy's soup. And the, the Jewish people who had to hide, of course, it must have been so difficult to be inside a very small house for so long. But they, the Tenbaum family had a certain a culture. Um, they loved music. And the Jewish people, of course, a lot of them were very good at music. And they played and they sang. And I remember the story that one um, neighbor said, Corrie. Tell your Jews to be quiet. The whole street can hear me sing. Yes, in a moment. Mrs. Bukers. Oh. Betsy, are you crazy? The whole street hear your Jews singer. Thank you. And that, of course, is the moment you were talking about, Pam, from the film The Hiding Place. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Haven Today. 
and this is a program about the life of Corey Ten Boom. We're talking with Pam Rosewell Moore, who was Corey's assistant for many years. So, Pam, the Ten Boom family helped rescue many Jews over the course of just a couple of years, but the Nazis eventually learned about what they were doing. Can you tell us about that? Towards the end of the war, there was an, a knock on the door, and Corrie was ill in bed. She had a bad bronchial infection. It was the flu and a kind of pleurisy. And somebody was at the door saying, Miss Tenbaum, I need your help. If you could give me 400 guilders, I will be able to get my wife free from, from the Germans. They, they suspect my wife. Please give me 400 guilders. So this man was a traitor. He took the money. Mm. He went straight straight to the German authorities with it. In the sense, their ministry ended on that day as far as being able to help and save any more people. They had a, a buzzer which allowed them to, if they thought there was any danger, they could press the buzzer, buzzer and the Jewish people would go quickly up into the hiding place at the top of the house. And they would put away the crockery very quickly, the cups and saucers, the soup plates. And it usually took, of course, a, a couple of minutes. But it was um, the Germans themselves and they, the Nazis. And they said, um, let us in. We know you're hiding Jews here. Mm. Well, the hiding place was made so carefully. It wasn't a false wall. It was proper brick. Built in Corrie's bedroom, a very parallel, of course, to the outside wall, with one small grating for air. Mm. And they could get in through the door, which was a, a linen closet, there was a, a way to move a panel right at the bottom and go inside and then put the panel down again, rearrange the items that had been on the lower panel, in front of the lower panel. So this they did, and you know, they knocked all over the house. They could not find it. They did not find that hiding place. Wow. But Corrie and Betsy and father were taken away. The story is that they loved the Jewish people and the family was arrested um, Corrie and Betsy learnt of their father's death in that prison on the west coast after ten days of imprisonment. Mm. And then Corrie and Betsy were transferred to a Dutch concentration camp in the south of the, of the Netherlands. And then they put Corrie and their other prisoners in a, on a dreadful journey in cattle trucks, which went deep into Germany. They couldn't see much, but they knew that was the way it was going. Mm. And that they eventually arrived at a, wom a women's prison called Ravensbrück, deep in yes. Germany. Yes. Corey called it the deepest hell that man can create. Mm. Pam, thank you so much for sharing with us this profound story. And we'll hear a little bit more from you on tomorrow's program and how God came to the aid of Corey and Betsy Ten Boom in the concentration camps. But as we close, I want our listeners to hear Corey describe, with her Dutch accent, what those first days in the camp were like for her. She was in solitary confinement due to an illness, and she felt utterly alone. Perhaps for the first time in my life, I was really alone. And I knew my life was completely in the hands of the enemy. They could kill me or torture me, or just forget me altogether. There was no one to know. At night, the sounds of distant bombs 
penetrated the thick walls and the muffled cries of people being tortured by the Gestapo. That was a little bit of hell. I tried singing, but the guards pounded on the door for silence. They threatened to take me to the dark cell. In the dark cell you had to stand in water. Time became a very thick thing to have to wade through. There was a possibility each moment of the day and night that they would come for me whenever I heard footsteps outside my cell. I would ask myself, do they come to torture me, to kill me? Once I stood with my back against the wall of my cell, with my hands spread out as if I would push it away, and I was that scared. And then I said, Lord, I'm not strong enough to stand all this. My faith is not strong enough. Then I saw an end. I had seen for days roaming over the floor. I just mopped um, the floor with a wet rag. The moment the uh, end felt the water on the stones, he ran to a little hole in the wall. He did not stop to look at the wet rag or his weak feet. He went straight to his hiding place. Corrie, don't look at your faith. It is weak like the tiny feet of that end. Don't think of the possibilities of those cruel people. I am your hiding place. And you can come to me like that end disappeared into the hole in the wall. And for the first time there came a real peace in my heart. I was 53 years old then. I'd always known about Jesus. And now in solitary confinement I had started to really know that his light is stronger than the deepest darkness. You are my hiding place You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance Whenever I am afraid I will trust in you I will trust in you The weak say I am strong in the strength of the Lord. A popular worship song from the late 1970s, sung for us today by Sela, You Are My Hiding Place. A fitting song as we just heard Corey Ten Boom sharing what it was like in that concentration camp, and how God became her hiding place. You're with Haven today, and a special thanks to Pam Rosewell Moore. She'll be back with us again tomorrow as we continue with this amazing yet true story. It was Corey Ten Boom who once said, There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. She knew this from personal experience, and I want you to personally experience her life-changing story that still shows how God's amazing power and grace can work through people like you and me 
even in the worst of times. Every Christian, I believe, today needs to hear this story. How Corey's family courageously saved hundreds of Jews in World War II during the Nazi occupation. And then how Corey learned to lean on Jesus while in a concentration camp herself. And we've found a double feature I think you're really going to enjoy. First, there is the original Hiding Place movie produced by Billy Graham's Worldwide Pictures. And then there's the sequel called Return to the Hiding Place, which was made about 10 years ago and shares more about the Christian teenagers who worked with the Ten Boom family to help hide Jews, move them out of Holland, and resist the Nazis. It's a back-to-back movie night that I know you and your loved ones are going to enjoy, especially as you talk afterwards about how the Lord is in control. He overcomes no matter what. I think this is a message that we all need to hear today. So why don't you call us right now? Would you make a gift to Haven today? Remember, we're 100% supported by a friend like you. You just need to call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or you can go online, watch Corey Ten Boom herself on some videos that we've put up and blogs that we have, and, and then you can make your gift at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And yes, we still have Melissa Kruger's book, Five Things to Pray for Your Kids, a short and easy prayer guide to help you lift the children in your life to the Lord. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so very much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when we'll learn more about Corey Ten Boom and how her life was all about Jesus? And that's what we are here together on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Snowball fights. They're part of the rite of passage in northern places. Kids of all ages take to their yards on snowy days. Sometimes it seems like an entire neighborhood is gathered together. And before you know it, you're at war. Little balls of frozen water flying everywhere. And you don't want to be out in the open. You need a fortress or a shield, something to hide behind. That's true in life, too. But we can be thankful we have the Lord. This is what David had to say in Psalm 7. My shield is God most high, who saves the upright in heart. If you're trusting in Jesus, this applies to you, too. God is your shield. Hide behind Him. Get daily encouragement from God's Word with Anchor Devotional. Try it out at GetAnchor.com.